This is In the Trenches, Broadcast 31. Welcome to In the Trenches, where entrepreneurs, artists, writers, designers, inventors, warriors, and leaders share their stories of doing the hard, creative work that impacts all of our lives. Let the journey inspire you to do something worthwhile, build something bold, and create your life's work. And now, your host, Tom Morgus. Welcome back, everyone, to another broadcast of In the Trenches. I'm really excited to have on our show today, Ryan Levesque. Ryan is well-known for creating online lead and sales flow models, most notably his survey funnel formula, which we're going to get into a little bit later today. And I was just watching a video with him and Danny Innie, who will actually be a future guest on this show. I have him scheduled for next month talking about this exact same thing. And it was like, for me, very fascinating. So if you're into marketing and sales and anything like that, this is going to definitely pique your interest. But he's also just kind of known as the funnel specialist. In the past few years, um, Ryan has managed to generate over 2.8 million leads, 175,000 customers across 19 different markets. And those numbers are just the last 23 months alone. Sorry, for just two years, not the last few years. And Ryan's eight and nine-figure private clients include the number one golf instruction site on the internet, the number one tennis instruction site in the world, the number one alkaline health company in Australia, and it goes on and on and on. And there's there's a lot of, I, I, I pulled this from Dan's bio, and, or excuse me, Ryan's bio. I apologize, Ryan. I get, now that I brought up Danny Enney, I'm, I'm going to have to edit that out. So I brought this up from Ryan's bio, and he, the, the point is this guy has done so many crazy notable things in terms of like being a market specialist and creating incredible results for his clients. And so I brought him on today to talk about marketing, figure out you know what it takes to actually be an effective marketer and how we can essentially create more leads and generate more sales. So Ryan, thank you so much for being on the call with us today. Tom, listen, I'm absolutely pumped, man. And I have to say, if I'm going to be confused with somebody, I'll take Danny <laughs> Innie because he's a pretty solid guy. So. Yo, he is. I, it's so, it's so, I'm so bad though because I was literally talking to him today. I was going to actually have an interview with him right before yours, uh-huh. We but but our signals crossed. We So I, I think I had arranged the wrong time or didn't get on his calendar or whatever. I had, thought I had him scheduled. So we rescheduled for next month, but then I was watching the video with you and him in it, man. So my head is, I'm just discombobulated right now. I apologize for that. <laughs> awesome, man. Let's dive right in. I, I eat, sleep, and breathe this stuff, so I'm really excited to be talking with you today. Cool. Well, give us a little bit of background into your, your life and what you led, what led you to doing what you're doing today with the sales funnel stuff. Like, how do you get there? Like, that's not a traditional path. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So it's a, it, it's a couple steps that got me to where I am today. And I'll try to tell the short version of the story. I think it's going to be interesting to hear this progression. And I hope as people listen to this, they'll see a little bit of their story in it and kind of understand kind of how do you arrive to do what it is that I do. So what's interesting is university academically, I have a academic background in, in neuroscience. And I studied and taught neuroscience at the Ivy League level at Brown University. And I actually thought I was going to go to medical school and become a neurologist. And in fact, my best friend at college, <clears throat> who was my college roommate, he's actually a neurologist now at the uh, Mayo Clinic. And he sort of pursued that path all the way through. But along the way, I kind of decided, like, that's not for me, but I don't really know what's for me. And uh, being a naive uh, you know, college kid, I said, well... If I don't know what's for me, why don't I figure out, why don't I do what's going to make me the most amount of money? And so I ended up taking a job working on Wall Street for the investment bank, Goldman Sachs. 
And in that process, I became really interested in this intersection between neuroscience, psychology, and business, and really became obsessed with sort of investor psychology, consumer psychology, and the art of persuasion. Uh, from there, I ended up working for another company um, in China uh, for five years, and I was running a massive sales uh, initiative, a sales office expansion project, and this was for the uh, insurance company AIG. And uh, at the time, I was, uh, had a really good paying job, but I was, uh, it was exhausting. I was uh, flying on a plane every single week. I was living at a hotel that was tethered to the BlackBerry. And at the same time, I had heard some friends of mine who were sort of quietly making money on the internet, essentially selling eBooks. This was back in about 2007. And uh, I kind of learned a little bit more about what they were doing. And I started moonlighting as a direct response marketing student. So I studied the Gary Halbert letters. I studied uh, people like Dr. Glenn Livingston, Terry Dean in my nights and weekends, and kind of eventually started dabbling in building out a niche business. Long story short, 2008, I don't know if you remember, but the financial the world's financial crisis hit. And the company that I worked for, AIG, I woke up one day, literally walked into my office with the Wall Street Journal Asia edition sitting on my desk that said, AIG to file for bankruptcy. And, uh, and I don't know, tell me, Tom, am I allowed to swear on this or do I have to keep it PG? Go for it. So I said, oh shit, what am I going <laughs> to do now? And we all looked around at each other in the office and we said, what's going to happen? And everyone's freaking out, worrying about you know where they're going to go next, going to be laid off. But for me, it was sort of a lemon lemonade out of lemon situation because I'd been moonlighting as a direct response sort of marketing student, and I realized that this was a better time than ever to take the leap. If I was ever going to take the leap and leave the cushiness of a you know high six figure job and all the cushy lifestyle that it provides, and make the leap and go into a you know become my own uh, go into business for myself. Now is as good a time as ever. So literally, like the next day, I, I, I wrote up my uh, resignation letter, handed it to my, um, my boss, who was the CEO of our China uh, operation, and he was, you know, you know, baffled. He basically said, well, who did we lose you to? Who, who are you working for? And I told him the honest truth and said, I don't know. I'm going into business for myself. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to gonna try to make this work. Um, at the time, and I mentioned this to you, Tom, uh, uh, my wife and I were actually, uh, we were married, but we had been living this bi-country marriage where I was based in Shanghai, China. She was pursuing a PhD in, at Hong Kong University in Hong Kong, and she lived in this tiny little 400-square-foot apartment that I would come and you know, visit her every, single, every couple weeks and hang out there. And I basically told her, uh, listen, I'm quitting the job, selling everything. I sold everything except for a suitcase worth of possessions that I owned moved in to uh, the 400-square-foot apartment with my wife, and on a $400 laptop, a gateway laptop that I just recently finally threw away, um, I built my first business that I took from nothing to $25,000 a month in 18 months. And then from there, grew that, the early stages, into what's now become a mid-seven-figure business over the last eight years. That's the high story, and I'm happy to talk about all the pitfalls, mistakes, dead ends, uh, uh, terrible decisions, and, uh, and, and the right decisions that we've made along the way. Uh, but that hopefully gives you an overview of kind of how do you go from, you know, yeah. Ivy League student studying neuroscience to unemployed internet entrepreneur to, you know, seven-figure business owner. 
Yeah, no, I like it. Um, I, I think more people should model that. But it, I want to jump into this. Like, this is actually because there, there's so much here that I, I'm, I think is so fascinating. But in particular, what I want to dig into right now, actually, is tell me about that first month after. You, so you quit your job. Yep. You move in. You have your laptop. From there, you just you were like, oh, I went from zero to twenty five thousand dollars in eighteen months. Okay, that's you know it, you can look back on it in the past and say, okay, you know those those are the figures, but that doesn't explain the story on the ground. So tell me about that first month with you on your laptop. What what happened? Tell me about that. Yeah, no, it's it's, it's a really great point. So I mentioned a name, and I have to um, give homage, pay homage to uh, you know one of my first mentors, who's actually now a good friend of mine. We've become business partners, but at the time I was just a, a customer, a lowly customer. So I invested in a $2,000 product um, by, uh, by a gentleman, uh, taught by a gentleman by the name of Dr. Glenn Livingston. Glenn is a PhD marketing psychologist that Fortune 100 companies would sort of bring into their company to do these very deep dive research projects. Long story short, he ended up taking the methodology that he had applied to these huge businesses and using it in an online world. And he had this $2,000 course that taught his system for getting into new markets. I, it was the most money I'd ever spent in my life for anything online, and I decided to take a flyer on this course, and, uh, and, and I bought it, and it, you know, had it shipped to me in China. By the time it arrived, the thing was beat to shit. I mean, the box was like falling apart. The DVD cases inside were busted. I almost wanted to send it back because it was in such terrible shape, but I, did, I went through it. And so the reason, you know, so why did I resonate? Why did I latch onto Glenn's? And I'll explain. I'll directly answer your question in a second. Um, but why did I latch onto Glenn's methodology or his course rather than um, all the other ways to make money online? Well, it's interesting. A couple different things. Number one, sort of had an affinity for his academic background in psychology and really trusted him. You know, having a PhD, like you know, this guy's got to be legit. Uh, number two, like I believed in the methodology that he taught. And number three, this is the funny thing. He uh, lived about 20 minutes from where my parents lived and grew up in a you know, small town, New Hampshire. And the thing that convinced me was uh, that made me believe, okay, this guy's legit. He's telling the truth and his, his technique works is nobody from, you know, small town, New Hampshire, 20 minutes from where I grew up is going to, you know, tell this big giant lie on the, on the internet. Like that was the thing that like put it over the edge where I trusted him. So I invested in his course. I started going through it. And this is when I was still moonlighting as a direct response, you know, student. Um, I put it aside. I put it aside. And just like we all do, like I, I told, told myself all these stories around why this isn't going to work. Oh, I can't make this work. Like, I don't have the time. Like, I'm not smart enough. Like, I don't know how to build a website. Like, all the things. Like, you know, you convince yourself, you know, if you convince yourself, it's like, you know, whether you convince yourself it's true or not true, like you're both, you know, both ways you're right. It's sort of like whatever you convince yourself. So I convinced myself that I wasn't going to be able to make it work. But here was the turning point. When I moved in with my wife in Hong Kong and we, um, uh, and I decided, you know what, I'm just going to freaking do this thing. Here is the shift in mindset. Up until that point, I had been following this uh, teaching that I think we've, we've all heard before where it's like, you know, you have these affirmations. I want to make $250,000 a year. I want to make half a million dollars a year. I want to make a hundred thousand dollars a year, whatever it was. And I had been putting so much pressure on myself to succeed out of the gate that it was paralyzing my ability to take action. So here was the mind shift change. That was like the first thing that unlocked like that, that first, you know, $25,000 a month success. I said, you know what? I'm going to swear again. But I said, you know what? Fuck it. I'm not going to business school. I'm not going to get an advanced degree. 
whatever money I would have spent in going to business school, 50K a year, whatever, you know what? Why don't I just put a fraction of that amount of money and treat my first business like tuition? That was the key. If I just took ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollars and just invested it in my own education, who cares if it makes money or not? But just to learn all these things. Because at the time, I'd never built a website. I'd never done WordPress. I'd never built an autoresponder sequence. I didn't even know how to write a sales letter. All these things that you know, I do all day, everything. You know, back in the day, I didn't know any of that stuff. But I said, I'm just going to invest this time and money as tuition in my education. And it's going to cost me a fraction of what I would have spent if I got an MBA at a top school. And let's just see what happens. And that was the thing, Tom. Like When I did that, it just totally relieved all that pressure to succeed. And that's how I started making progress. And I grew that business from nothing to $25,000 a month, $500 at a time, just by doing these little experiments. Let's try this thing. Let's see what, it, what happens. You know, adding a one-click upsell. How do you do that? Well, let's learn. Let's put it in there. And it made money. So it was this counterintuitive thing about not really worrying about the results and only focusing on the action, focusing on taking action and using it as a learning vehicle and then, you know, if you get results, great. It's sort of like frosting on the cake. That was like the big mind shift, mind shift thing that really helped me, you know, break through that initial, you know, stumbling block. Yeah, Ryan, I love that story. That's great. So I'm curious, when it, and it especially resonates with me when you talk about uh, approaching it as almost like you would, well, you would studies, right. as if you were going to, to school, which I think is really important because... I think the growth mindset, just that that concept of being somebody who who focuses on learning and growth first. I mean, those are the people who it doesn't matter if you fail because then it's just feedback, and you can then you can change direction or you can modify things and keep going. But it's always you're always getting closer to your target, as opposed to the, obviously there are some people who I don't think have the growth mindset or who aren't um, learning focused, and so they just kind of want the results. They, they, I think they spin their wheels. But tell me a little bit about that. Like when you're starting out in the beginning, tell me about your first success and your first failure, or if not your first success and your first failure, one of the first successes and first failures that you can kind of remember in the beginning there. Like the first time you made maybe 500 bucks or something like that, or the first time you stumbled in, it was just a complete disaster. If you can remember anything like that. Totally. So, um, first real success, uh, that we had was a business in the jewelry making space. So um, I basically replicated what's now become my model that I, the, you know, the 2.8 million leads, all those big numbers that you've heard, um, the early stages, the early days of that, before I, you know, had the number two satellite TV provider, number one golf instruction site, number one survival site, number one dog training site, all these companies that I've in part been responsible for helping reach these levels uh, using the funnel methodology that I use, the early days were just very modest. And so the first, one of the first markets that we went into was the jewelry making market. Basically what we did is this, my wife uh, happened to be a, a big fan of this uh, site Etsy, Etsy.com. And Etsy is like, if anyone's not familiar with it, it's sort of like the eBay for handmade goods. Um, and it's people who make everything from uh, uh, crocheted uh, winter hats to jewelry. Anyways, this is when Etsy literally just became a site. Like, I mean, they had just started as a site and they were just taking off. Etsy's a relatively big company now, but back in the day, they were relatively small. It's like in 2007. Um, and she was a follower of the site. And one of the business ideas that we were thinking about at the time, and we thought about 
everything from opening up a McDonald's to a restaurant in China to doing an import-export company. I mean, everything. Mm-hmm. One of the things that we were looking at was uh, we found – what we found was that there were – there's this one type of jewelry – uh, that uh, one type of jewelry that uh, was selling like crazy on Etsy. And we thought, you know what? Here we are in China. We can get the supplies. We've got the factories right there. And we've got cheap labor. And we can make these jewelries in mass. And we can sell them at a massive profit. Like that was like our business idea. And it was all predicated on what was already selling on Etsy. Well, we started going down that path. And I said, you know, I don't want to do that because – that means we have to create all these. We have to carry inventory. We've got to carry all these different styles. We've got to create this by hand. And uh, we've got to grow the business onesie-twosie. Like we're going to have to, every time we sell something, we're going to have to create it before we sell it. That's, that's not a real scalable business model. But we found this one person who on this site was selling tuto- a tutorial on how to teach people how to make that type of jewelry. And we bought it. And the thing was really, really bad. But the thing that was really cool about Etsy, like eBay, is you can see all the past sales. And at the time, she was selling like between 10 and 20 copies of this tutorial at like 30 bucks a piece. We're saying, holy shit. I mean, this was big money to us at the time. Like she was making 300 bucks a day to 600 bucks a day just selling this one little kind of rinky dink tutorial. And we said, you know what? We do a we can build a better mousetrap. We can do better than this. So that's exactly what we did. We learned how to make the jewelry. My wife, you know, is the subject matter expert. Uh, she learned how to make the jewelry. We uh, built the most kick-ass tutorial that taught how to make this type of jewelry. Then we created three more tutorials that taught other types of jewelry. And then we kind of built this little business teaching people how to make uh, a jewelry in this market. And that was the first business that we grew to six figures, just teaching people how to make jewelry, uh, handmade jewelry, and we were selling in the Etsy ecosystem and we had our, you know, we were selling through uh, Google AdWords. So that was like our first success. Um, it wasn't the first thing that we tried, but that was like our first success. And then what was interesting is, you know, you have one success and then you start thinking, well, everything you do is going to be successful. So let's launch mm-hmm. a new business. So we wanted to go into a related space. And our next big idea was like at the time, uh, scrapbooking was like freaking huge and it still is big but like at the time it was like just it was just taking off and uh i had used a research methodology to to launch the the um to launch the jewelry making business and we thought you know what let's move into scrapbooking um scrapbooking was a little trickier though because it wasn't as much of an information product play because uh scrapbooking isn't like you know, how do you make it? It's pretty straightforward. It's like you glue shit to a piece of paper. I mean, come on. You can see some ideas that are inspirational. But the, uh, what, what we thought, what a big a business idea there was let's do scrapbooking deals. Let's be like a scrapbooking deal site. This is like almost pre-Groupon days. This was back when, and I don't know if people will remember this, Woot.com, W-O-O-T, was like predated Groupon by five or six years. Uh, Woot was like a deal of the day site where they had, um, and they still exist. Amazon bought them like one deal, like one, they literally sold one product and that was it. And they, you know, it was electronics or whatever. Mm-hmm. They were like the original deal of the day site, at least that I'm familiar with. Um, mm-hmm. And so like, that was our idea. Like, let's do a deal of the day for uh, scrapbooking. And we started creating that business and, and we realized like very quickly that uh, we were spending a lot of money on advertising to get people into our world. 
And we weren't making, you know, we were making like a five for what I call now return on ad spend. We're making like 5% return on ad spend. So we'd spend a hundred dollars and we'd make $5 back. And what we were selling people on what were these, uh, you know, either, uh, scrapbooking deals, uh, how to get the deals. And it was just total failure. And the total misstep there, the miscalculation was we were just selling to a terrible market. You know, just by nature, people who are deal mavens, people who are looking for discounts, people who are looking to get like the cheapest possible product for something, that's a really difficult market to sell to because they're always looking for a deal. They don't want to pay full price. If you're selling information on how to get, you know, scrapbooking bargains uh, on supplies, they don't want to pay for that. They want that to be free. And they also want a rebate coupon that's going to make them 10 bucks on the back end. I mean, these are the cheapest people on the planet. So I just made a massive misstep in the market. And, uh, you know, it's just, it was, a, it was, uh, the lesson there was, you know, selling to people who are buyers, selling to people who spend money. In Gary Halbert's language, it's players with money, selling in markets where people have proven to spend irrational sums of money on stuff. Golfers are a perfect market. Tennis yep. players are a perfect market. Dog owners are a perfect market. These are people who spend irrational sums of money on, uh, you know, on their <laughs> dogs, on their, you know, on their golf game. So that's a, a, a an early success and an early failure for you. I love it. Okay, so when did you actually? It sounds like when you started, then you were you were building your own your own businesses, running and operating them and scaling them. When did you start working with other companies um, and, and what made you move into that line of work in terms of kind of being a consultant? Yeah, it's, it's really funny. So at the time, my grand plan, my like Ryan's 10-year plan was I was going to go into 20 niche markets and each business was going to do about two hundred fifty dollars to $500,000 a year. That was like my big plan. I was going to have all these niche markets and I did it with three, jewelry making, a gardening sub-niche, and memory improvement. I'm probably best known for my memory improvement uh, business, which is rocketmemory.com. That one leverages my neuroscience background, and you know, I thought, it, I thought that was going to be my multi-million dollar success. Turns out that it wasn't, but story for another day. So that was my grand plan, as I was just going to, using my formula, roll out these niche businesses one after another after another and have this mini little empire in all these different spaces. At the time, after launching three businesses, I started attending masterminds. And I was at one mastermind in particular, and I started telling people what I was doing, like my methodology, how I had studied personally under Dr. Glenn Livingston, and I was a, a, a personal uh, coaching client of his for two years, and then I started coaching people under his methodology on his behalf to better learn it myself. That eventually became uh, uh, the my, my own methodology is an outgrowth of what I had learned working with him and a few other mentors. But I started bringing this up in masterminds. And people, you know, I got two reactions. One was, Ryan, you're crazy. You're, at, you're never going to be able to create 20 different businesses. You're going to go berserk. And the other reaction was, but how much money would it cost for me to come into my, for you to come into my business and pay you to do what you've done to build sales mm -hmm. funnel in my business? And at first, like, uh, to be honest, it wasn't a direction I was thinking. Most people go into consulting as like a stepping stone to launching their own business. But I started to take inventory of what I really liked about my process and launching these businesses and what I hated. I'll tell you one thing that I absolutely hate. I hate creating products. I do not like creating products. I love selling. I love selling products online. I absolutely, I mean, it's, I wake up for that. I mean, 
talk to any of my private clients, they'll tell you that I can write almost verbatim, word-perfect copy in my, in, out of my mouth to sell something. That comes so naturally to me. Creating a product, for some reason, it's like a different part of my brain is unlocked, and I, I go into OCD mode, where I go back into school mode, where it's like you have to turn in an A-plus paper, and perfectionism takes over, and it just frustrates the hell out of me. So I don't like creating products. So as proposition with an opportunity to say, well, why don't you do what you do best? Build the sales funnel for my business. I'll pay you a big chunk of money, and not the kind of money that I'm making now, but it was a big chunk of money at the time, and I'll even pay you a percentage of the, of the, the revenue. What do you think? I said, well, let's give it a shot. A long story short, that I did that, and through that first deal, I'm now in, uh, I know in the intro, I think you said 19 different markets. It's actually either 23 or 24 right now, um, and uh, that's what I do all day, every day, is I work with serious players in serious markets, and instead of launching a golf business, I work with the number one golf training company in the world, run all their sales funnels, and I take a percentage of the revenue. And I get, that's how I get paid is a fee plus uh, percentage deal. And what, the reason why I went down that path, to answer your question, is because it enabled me to do, A, what I was best at, and B, what I enjoyed the most. And, um, you know, it's, that's exactly what my business looks like today. I do high-end client implementation work. I do coaching uh, where people get access to me in a limited way and access to my team at a much lower price point. And then I also do training where I teach people my methodology, which gives sort of people an opportunity to enter into my world in three different ways. Um, because I'm at a point now where the clients that I work with are at the million dollar a month level or higher. Um, and so the other benefit of this model for me is it allows me to better leverage my skills. For me to grow a business by 20%, if it's doing $10 million a year and I can grow it by 20%, I've you know, created $2 million a year worth of value. If I started a business that's doing $10,000 a year and I increase it by 20%, I'm only able to create you know, $2,000 worth of value. So uh, in my methodology specifically, because it's sort of uh, relatively sophisticated, it lends itself well to operating in the what I like to call the deep end of the swimming pool. Um, things that are already working, making them work that much better. Interesting. So when you get hired by somebody, I'm, you know, I'm a multi-million dollar company and I hire, I hire you. What are the results I'm looking for from you? And, and what do you bring to the table in that respect? Is it, is it, do you basically say like, or not, not necessarily say like in a contract kind of way, but as when you come in, do you expect to create 20% um, year over year growth or, or tell me a little bit about that? No, it's all over the map. Um, in some businesses, uh, there's there's no uh, there's no percentage mm -hmm. expectation. There's no percentage sure. guarantee. It's uh, you know basically people will pay me anywhere from fifty to one hundred thousand dollars up front to build a sales funnel, and I get paid uh, anywhere from five to ten percent royalty on the gross sales that I generate. For me, the upfront cost covers my cost tremendous amount of time, effort, energy to build out the type of sales funnel that I build that covers my cost. Uh, for me, the thing that motivates me is the fact that, uh, you know, we're, we're, we basically become revenue partners and that right. the money that I'm making is 5% of zero is zero. So right. I'm pretty fucking motivated to make something a huge home run. Um, and clients recognize that, you know, they know that the upfront is just the, 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 the cost of entry 
to work with me personally, but that's not what gets me out of bed. You know, what gets me out of bed is building something. I've got funnels that do, uh, sales funnels that do, um, mil- literally millions of dollars a month, uh, in revenue. And, um, you know, to get paid a percentage of that is extremely motivating for me. That's what gets me out of bed and, and gets me really excited. Yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. So yeah, well, I, sorry. Do you have anything else to say with that? No, I mean, that's like, just to answer your question, there's no percentage promise or anything like that. Uh, you know, clients just recognize that I want the right. pie to be as big as possible. Our interests are aligned and, totally. um, you know, that's kind of, uh, you know, it, it works. Yeah. Well, it's, I, I love the model. And I think it's, it's, I mean, that's why I, I have to stay in contact. I mean, it's my, it seems like a dream job in that respect, because it's in a lot of ways, I feel the same way, like with everything you've been saying is like, that's the stuff I enjoy as well when it comes to the kind of copywriting sales funnels is something I'm getting into in a big way and, and finding it just like so satisfying and also just, um, uh, just so, uh, incredible what the power of a good sales funnel. But, and, and I guess the, the importance of, of your your model too, and how you approach these businesses and stuff like that, or how they approach you, and um, and the and the agreement you guys have going forward, it puts skin in the game for you, which is exactly what you were saying. You know that that percent revenue share. Now, I don't I don't know if you have to. You can tell this, or you could say this, and you don't have to share it if you don't want. But for some of these agreements, um, I'm sure they might be all over the map. But do they usually last like a year, or do you have them going indefinitely? Do you have like some terms with these guys where you might come in and like already have built out the sales funnel, and you come and like tweak it? for future, you know, for X number more months or how does that work? If you, if you can go into those details. Yeah. I mean, the, the short answer is, uh, I have my proprietary approach that I use for somebody who's interested in using this as a business model. Uh, you know, my advice is, you know, you just figure it out. Um, there's no, there's no textbook, there's no rule book. Um, you know, there's no, this is the only way that it's done. It, um, you know, it just, it just, you know, how well you do with this becomes a function of, um, right. you know, doing this well for, you know, for the better part of a decade. So it's just, um, you know, there's no rules. Um, and, uh, you know, it's just, uh, I guess that that's how I would answer that question is that there's, there's no, there's no rules and, uh, you know, whatever, yeah. whatever deal you can structure is, is kind of the, the deal that you can get. Um, it's sort of like building an online business. There are no rules. There's nothing that mm-hmm. says that you need to drive. You need to be on Facebook. If you don't want to be on Facebook cause you're not a social person, fine. You, you know, you don't need to have a podcast, uh, but you could have a podcast. That could be your business. There's sort of no rules. And so I would say, as you're thinking about what business model you want to pursue or design, you know, there's no handbook that I use to design my business model. It's in the way I operate and probably the same way you operate. Like I know you're one of your th- things that's important to you is freedom and the ability to travel. Um, mm-hmm. One thing that I have in my business model that does not allow me to do that at least in different time zones is I have, I, I'm, I have booked a book schedule from eight to six Monday through Friday, where I'm literally on the phone almost every second of the day, immediately before we got on this call, I was on the phone immediately after we got off the call, I'm on the phone and it's mm-hmm. a function of just being really busy, but it means I can't travel to Asia unless I want to be taking calls in the middle of the night. So, for some people, they might say, Ryan, I could never do that. For me, I love this. I get up and it energizes me. I love switching from market to market. I love solving problems. I love, I've got a team in place that, that implements my ideas. And it's just, I get a ton, uh, I got a thrill out of it. But it's not for everybody. Some people would look at my schedule. I think most people would look at the schedule and say, I, I don't want to do that. Like, 
that's not for me. So I think it just comes mm-hmm. down to finding what works for you. For me, on the other end, when I was only running my niche businesses and I had no client work at all, it was cool in the sense that I could, you know, wake up on some days and do nothing, take a week off, take a month off if I wanted to. But I also found that I was stagnant as well. Like I didn't, it didn't, it, yeah. it, I didn't push myself as much as I needed to. Whereas like when you have a client on the other line who's paying you $1,500 for an hour of your time, you got to be on your game. Like you really got to mm-hmm. be on your game. So it forces you to sharpen your thinking. It forces you to get better at what you're doing. It's almost like, you know, being a performer. So, um, you know, and some people are hearing that and they're saying, I would never want to do that. Like that's the last thing in the world that I want to do. And some people are hearing that and saying, that's really cool. I'd love to do that. So I think it's yeah. just the moral I've learned is you got to find a business model that resonates with your personality and there's no, like you're, there's not going to be a business model out there that's perfect for you. You need to, you know, find something that exists and massage it and tweak it so that it works for, you know, the lifestyle that you want to live, the, the kind of money that you want to make and, uh, you know, how you want your days to be spent. Yeah. So, and, and speaking of which, I know you are, uh, you know, you, you, your time is valuable and I appreciate you taking as much time as you have. Um, we're coming down to the clock here. Um, I, I did want to ask you real quickly, though, about how you scaled going from a one-person operation. Now you mentioned a team. Um, how, how long did that take, and, and what made you go that route as opposed to just being a solo operator? Uh, you know, Tell me a little bit about that process. Yeah, you know, if, it's, it's a really good question, and I'm going to be perfectly candid about this. I'm in the middle of scaling right now. So the big theme for my business in 2015 is systematizing our processes. I do a lot of things that I, I do them the way that I do them, but they're not well documented and they're in, you know, in the space between my ears and I know how I do things, but I haven't done a good job of documenting it so that someone on my team can kind of do some of those things. We've been moving in that direction. That's what I've been moving in. But for the longest time, um, I was, you know, I would say for the longest time, for a while, I was a solo operator. Um, I launched, you know, my first three businesses just as my wife and me, that was it. And like a few, you know, outsourced workers, but that was it. Now I have a 12 person team, um, and a full-time team spread across the country and a few people overseas. Um, and that's going to continue to grow. If I've made one mistake and I've made many mistakes, but one mistake that I've made in business, uh, that's, uh, slowed my growth has been my reluctance to outsource every time that I've either outsource something, even it's like, I'll tell you this, when I first started our first business, you're going to find this crazy. We actually shipped out when we moved back to the U S we shipped out physical packages ourselves. My wife and I would take the orders. We have a a printer. We'd print the labels up. We'd stuff the envelopes with the books and DVDs and stuff that we were selling. And we would do it like once or twice a week. We'd pop a movie in on Netflix, order takeout. and We'd sit on the floor with a pile of stuff and we would be collating stuff. I mean, there was a time when my, maybe my time was worth $100, $200 an hour. That's what I was doing. I mean, it was, it's idiotic looking back, but it was just a, a mindset thing that I was just reluctant to outsource. Well, eventually we worked with a fulfillment house that does all this for us. Same thing with customer service. For the longest time, my wife was answering customer service emails. And then we found a full-time customer service person that did that. And so there are many, many examples of that. Writing copy. I used to write all my own copy, and I still write a lot of my copy, but there's some lower leverage copy that I don't, you know, have written. Um, and now I partner with some of the, the best uh, people in the business. David Deutsch 
is, uh, you know, regarded as one of the top five copywriters alive. And, you know, he's, he writes my copy for me now on uh, the funnels that we build. So, uh, it's, it's a progression. It doesn't happen overnight, but if there's one thing that I could do over again, it's, uh, I would have been quicker to outsource. I would have been quicker to let go of things that I was doing myself. Um, and that's just a, you know, a function of lack of confidence in myself mm-hmm. as a business owner, you know, scared to hire people and thinking, well, shit, what happens if I can't pay these people? I don't want to lay anybody off. You have all these thoughts that go through your head. Um, in retrospect, you know, if I could have done it over again, I probably would have gotten to where I am today in, in less time. Instead of being eight years, it would have been, you know, four years, but, uh, live and learn. So, you know, parting, yeah. parting words of advice, um, be faster to outsource. Um, do it smart. Don't do it all at once. That's, that's one thing I wouldn't change. Don't hire 10 people at once. You know, hire one person, whether that's an outsourcer or uh, an employee. Um, but, but start thinking about the work that you're doing and how do you uh, move the lower dollar per hour work that you're doing today and leverage someone else's time to do that. That's the only way that you grow. It's the only way that you scale. So hopefully that, awesome. that's helpful. Oh, that's usually helpful, man. That was great, great advice, Ryan. I really do appreciate that. And I know, hey, man, we, we've taken up a, over 30 minutes of your time. So I just want to say thank you so much for being on the call with us today. It was great getting to know you and hear a little bit about your backstory. You've done some incredible things. And I definitely want to stay in touch, man, because I'm excited for what you're going to do in 2000, the end of 2014 and in 2015 and beyond. Awesome. Tom, it was a pleasure. It was awesome. Uh, listen, best of luck in your travels. And I know you're traveling to more glamorous places than this. <laughs> But the invitation's open. If you ever make it through Austin, Texas, which is uh, my home base these days, uh, feel free to stop by. I'd love to connect with you, and uh, we'll go from there. And then otherwise, uh, make sure you ask Danny any some tough questions on his interview. Don't let him off as easy as you let me off. Uh, okay. Well, hey, if, if that's the case, man, I'll have to get you back on. But uh, I'll be awesome, in touch man. about that, man. Okay, cool. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks, Tom. Take care. And that wraps up another broadcast of In the Trenches. If you're interested in checking out the show notes, just head over to tomworkers.com slash podcast to see our latest episodes. Also, I just wanted to give a quick update to fans and listeners of In the Trenches and specifically what I'm working on right now. For the past two years, I've been publishing books, my own and others, through Insurgent Publishing, my boutique publishing company. In the past six months alone, I've helped four individual authors launch their books to bestseller on Amazon, including Dan Norris's The 7-Day Startup and David Nihil's Do You Talk Funny, among others. And both of those books are still top of the charts months after launch. I've learned two important things from all this. Number one, that people still read books. And believe it or not, they're willing to pay for the good ones. And number two, the $60 billion book industry is only getting bigger and the barrier to entry is only getting lower which means access to this market has never been closer to the average writer, blogger, or author. It is literally within the grasp of anyone who wants it. But you need to know how to approach it the right way, with patience, with a strategy, and with the right implementation and execution. That's why I've been able to launch so many bestsellers, many that are still top of the charts, because we brought great books to the people who wanted and would pay for them. No slimy sales tactics, just honest, powerful marketing. Now, I want to show other authors and publishers how to do the same. Four months ago, I launched the pre-beta to a new super-secret platform called Publisher's Empire. 
In that time, I've helped a dozen authors and publishers start to bring their ideas to life. And with their help and feedback, we've quickly developed what is, in my opinion, the best, most comprehensive publishing training platform in the world. And now I'm getting ready to open the doors up to a few more students. So if you're interested in being part of a tight-knit family of publishers who help and support one another through their writing and publishing projects, if you want access to over 100 HT training videos to take you through the writing and publishing process, if you want access to proven copy and paste book marketing and sales copy, stuff that we've used to launch bestsellers, and if you'd like professional book covers and templates you could plug your own work into and look like a pro in minutes, and if you'd like all of that while getting the chance to be mentored by me, check out PublishersEmpire.com and sign up to be notified when we launch. That's www.PublishersEmpire.com. I hope to see you there. As always, this is Tom Morcus. If you're listening to this, you are the resistance. Thank you for listening to In the Trenches. Your creative work doesn't stop here. Join the resistance, the small but growing army of entrepreneurs and artists putting a dent in the world at www.tommorcus.com. Never fight alone. Join the resistance.